Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today at the time of our recording is July 20th, 2022. This is Riel reporting for Generation Z's Kraken segment. This episode will be a brief roundup of the five main stories going on in the world. We will simply be going through the headlines and not dissecting any of the stories. This is going to be a more brief report than the ones that maybe you are getting used to me doing. I'm trying uh, something a little bit different today. But so the five topics that we're going to be covering. First up is the COVID emergency. Second is the Russia-Ukraine war emergency. Third is the climate emergency. Fourth is the earthling unrest or political unrest. And the fifth is outer space. So first up is the ongoing alleged international health concern that is COVID-19. Now, uh, before we get started, let me just show you uh, one of my own personal videos that I did on my own personal YouTube account uh, that has not yet been taken down because it honestly cannot really be taken down. It is using open source information, quoting the experts themselves, explaining how the PCR tests are used to manipulate the masses into thinking there's a global health concern. So let me just pull that up. Let me share my screen here. Okay, here we go. So as we can see, this video here of explaining PCR tests, right off the bat, uh, in this slideshow that I prepared and made, we see that the, the, the real-time PCR tests detects presence of viral genetic material in a sample, but is not able to distinguish whether infectious virus is present. Now, this was an hour-long presentation I did, still on YouTube. You can go to Dose of Reality. You can see not a lot of views. That's fine. I just wanted to put that information out there. Um, but I simply wanted to show this before we continue on with the episode today. Thank you. So now with the world news. First up, we're going to the World Health Organization. Statement on the 12th meeting at the International Health Regulations Emergency Committee regarding the coronavirus disease from July 12th. And here, I'm going to read you a direct quote. The World Health Organization Director General has the pleasure of transmitting the report of the 12th meeting of the International Health Regulations. Yes, the pleasure of transmitting the report. The WHO Director General concurs with the advice offered by the committee regarding the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and determines that the event continues to constitute a public health emergency of international concern. Okay, so it's still a situation where it is a public health emergency of international concern. All right, next up, here we have Al Jazeera. Hospitalization rates double as COVID cases triple across Europe. The World Health Organization warns the pandemic is not over as European countries largely abandon coronavirus restrictions. Right, so, yeah. Uh, okay, on to the next one. Like I said, we don't really need to spend a lot of time going into these articles. This is simply a roundup to catch everybody up to speed on the, what, I, what we at Generations Z are perceiving as the big stories going on in the world. 
So next up in the COVID section is um, from CTV News from Canada. Already had COVID-19? Here's what we know about reinfections. This is from July 17th. So uh, this article is talking about reinfections. And the one line that I did just want to highlight uh, to us is that how much protection do you get from hybrid immunity? People who have been both vaccinated and infected should be bolstered by, quote, hybrid immunity but signs that some people are getting reinfected with COVID-19 not long after a previous bout indicates that any natural immune boost would be short-lived. Right, so, uh, and they, they still are emphasizing that people who have been infected can benefit from another COVID-19 shot. Okay, okay. Uh, they also say it's also unclear whether reinfection increases that likelihood of contracting long COVID. Right, okay, uh, on to the next article. Health Canada approves Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine as first for youngest kids from July 14th. So uh, uh, Canada's drug regulator approved Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine for infants and preschoolers Thursday, making it the first vaccine approved for that age group in the country. So infants and preschoolers. Health Canada now says that the Moderna vaccine can be given to young children between the ages of six months and five years old in doses one quarter and the size of that approved for adults. Here's the important part. <laughs> After a thorough and independent scientific review of the evidence, the department has determined that the vaccine is safe and effective at preventing COVID-19 in children between six months and five years of age, the department said. Right, okay. Um, on to the next one. And please use your imagination as to why I am including this story in the category of the COVID section. Justin Bieber is resuming his tour after medical crisis. If you are watching this at home, you can see the images of Justin Bieber's face. The, quote, the article says, Justin Bieber will be resuming his tour after being diagnosed with an illness which left him with partial facial, facial paralysis. Now, the uh, quote is, it is from this, okay, sorry. Last month, the singer announced he was pausing his tour because, because of Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which left him unable to move half of his face. It is from this virus that attacks the nerve in my ear and my facial nerves and has caused my face to have paralysis, he said in a video posted on the verified Instagram account. As you can see, this eye is not blinking. I can't smile on this side of my face. This nostril will not move. So there's full paralysis on this side of my face. He later offered about how he was doing with the rare neurological syndrome caused by the same virus that can cause chicken pox and shingles. Chicken pox and shingles, okay. So those are the stories just to catch everybody up on what's going on in the COVID world in the mainstream news narrative. Next up, we are gonna be covering the Ukraine-Russia war. We've got about uh, one, two, three, four, five, uh, five, six, six articles here. Um, so let's go on uh, from Al Jazeera. NATO would have eventually started the Ukraine war, Khamenei said to Putin. So the meeting of Iranian and Russian leaders in Tehran came shortly after 
sorry, came shortly ahead of trilateral summit with Turkey's President Erdogan. Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei has told Russia's President Vladimir Putin that he had not started the war, that had he not started the war in Ukraine, NATO, the dangerous creature, would have done it eventually. Interesting. Okay. So that's all we're going to go in there just to catch you up. Next up is uh, from Al Jazeera. Lavrov says Russia's military goals not focused only on Donbass. Geographical aims of Russia's operation in Ukraine now include other territories, foreign minister says. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, has said his country's military goals in Ukraine are no longer limited to the eastern Donbass region, but include a number of other territories. Okay, he says that the geography is different now. It is not only about the DNR and LNR, referring to the so-called Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics, Russian-backed entities in Ukraine's east. He says it is also uh, about the Kherson region, the Zaporizhzhia region, and a number of other territories. Okay. Russia, according to the article, Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th with the stated goal of demilitarizing and denazifying the country, a statement dismissed by Ukraine and Western countries as a pretext for an imperial-style war of expansion. At the time, Russian President Vladimir Putin said his country did not intend to occupy any Ukrainian territories. Right, okay, well... Um, I will just interject a little bit here uh, with some context talking about, of course, uh, Christia Freeland and her grandfather uh, having the Nazi connections and us, uh, the audience, learning about the Western's role in Ukraine. And one episode, one, one day we will be going into what Putin meant by demilitarizing and denazifying the country of Ukraine. Uh, remember that his terminology is very particular and specific. And what does it mean to denazify the country? We will uh, explore that in a future episode. Uh, okay, so uh, on to the next report. The IMF says Russian gas embargo could heavily impact Central Europe. A Russian gas embargo would cause deep recessions in Hungary, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, and Italy, the International Monetary Fund says. <sighs> it's, it's hard to uh, keep myself from making under-the-breath comments or being a little snarky about this, but let's continue. Um, uh, IMF researchers said in a blog posting on Tuesday that some countries could face shortages of as much as 40% of their normal gas consumption in the event of a total cutoff of Russian gas. Okay, okay. Uh, Hungary would suffer the most economically from such an embargo, with a reduction of more than 6% in gross domestic product, while Slovakia, Czech Republic, and Italy could see GDP shrink by 5% if alternate gas supplies, including those of liquefied natural gas, the LNG, are impeded from flowing freely to where they are needed. Right, right. And I wonder how many people were talking about the potential ramifications of 
the sanctions and embargoes put on Russia. So next up, uh, the European Union draws up energy plan in case of Russian gas cutoff. This is from today, July 20th. The European Union's head office on Wednesday proposed that member states cut their gas use by 15% over the coming months as the bloc braced for a possible fall Russian cutoff of natural gas supplies that could add a big chill to the upcoming winter. Okay. Oh, now here's the, so as I mentioned in the intro that uh, that's the COVID emergency, the, you know, war emergency, the climate emergency. Now, uh, within the war emergency, oh, I'm going to highlight right here this paragraph. While the initial cuts would be voluntary, the commission also asked for the power to impose mandatory reductions across the block in the event of an EU-wide emergency caused by what Commission President Ursula von der Leyen saw as a deliberate attempt by President Vladimir Putin to weaponize gas exports. So we also have the energy emergency. Now, if you've watched uh, my previous reports, we mentioned the continuity of government and the idea that the powers are using emergencies to justify increasing totalitarian control, essentially. So the health emergency, the energy emergency, and the climate emergency. All could really, uh, I mean, aside from the international health concern, the other two could definitely, uh, as as I have grouped them together here, be under this uh, war situation, or as a previous report uh, categorized it as the geopolitics of the world orders. So next up here, we have U.S. and Saudi Arabia pledge moves to stabilize global energy markets. This is from July 16th, Al Jazeera reports. A joint statement by the two nations was released after U.S. President Joe Biden held talks with top Saudi officials, including Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. So, <coughs> my apologies there. So, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia have expressed their commitment to ensuring the stability of global energy markets. Okay, okay. Glad that they're trying to stabilize things. The two countries agreed on consulting regularly on global energy markets in the short and long term and work together as strategic partners in climate and energy transition, according to the statement. Okay, and we didn't do any coverage on uh, Joe Biden being in Saudi Arabia, but there's a lot to talk about there. But those are more kind of like side stories and trying to be more focused with just the big ones here. Um, but I can definitely also do one of the uh, longer Kraken segments where we're covering stories from all over the world that are a bit more all over the place. But this one, I wanted to cater to the uh, shorter segment. So uh, the next uh, report in this category is Hungary declares energy emergency over threat of fuel shortages. So do you folks see a trend here? Are we able to kind of see the patterns that's being presented to us? And not the numerological patterns, not the gematria patterns, but just straight up on the surface, this is what is going on kind of pattern. Russia's war in Ukraine and sanctions by European Union have led to energy crisis on the continent, says the prime minister's chief of staff. Hungary's government has declared an energy emergency 
in response to supply disruptions and skyrocketing energy prices in Europe? Well, that is exactly what the IMF researchers are saying. So Russia's war in Ukraine and consequent sanctions from the European Union have led to an energy crisis on the continent. Right. Yeah. And we've also already covered uh, articles from France and Germany where they're talking about rationing water, rationing heat. Um, it's, uh, yeah, very, it's, it seems like it could be very tough for the European Union uh, to handle, arguably, uh, the consequences that they laid out for themselves. But of course, it's not the people of those countries that decided to do these sanctions. It's the leaders. And of course, the innocents are the ones that suffer the most. So on to the next category. This is the climate emergency situation from CTV News. How to spot the signs and symptoms of heat illness from July 18th. Heat-related illnesses are those illnesses attributable to excess heat on the body causing dysregulation and dysfunction of normal organ systems and in severe cases leads to organ failure and death. Severe heat illness leading to organ failure and death is generally rare overall, but when it does occur, it occurs in an epidemic cluster of cases all at once. Right. So uh, the article says that high temperatures killed at least 595 people in British Columbia during the 2021 heat dome and another 156 in 2009 in Quebec that led to 280 deaths in 2010. Right. So we've always had extreme heat events, but they're getting warmer and they're also becoming more frequent. Dr. Brower, a professor at the University of British Columbia's School of Population and Public Health, says. Right. Okay, on to the next one. Warmest part of summer yet to come, Environment Canada climatologist says from July 18th. While temperatures may be easing in certain parts of the country, the warmest part of the summer is yet to come. We think that July and August will be warmer than normal. Okay. Well, let's just mention here that this past weekend, Environment Canada issued heat warnings for large swaths of Manitoba, with Humidex values in Winnipeg expected to hit 40 degrees Celsius Sunday afternoon. Uh, I can tell you that it was hot. I was there. Next up, the United Kingdom breaks record for the highest temperature as Europe sizzles from July 19th. Britain shattered its record for highest temperature ever registered Tuesday amid a heat wave that has seared swaths of Europe, as the UK's national weather forecaster said such highs are now a fact of life in a country ill-prepared for such extremes. Okay, so we are seeing things are getting hot. Okay. And um, they are warning, the chief scientist warns that we could see temperatures like this every three years without serious action on carbon emissions. Okay, on to the next one. The United Kingdom declares national emergency over exceptional temperatures. A red extreme heat warning was issued for parts of England as temperatures are expected to reach record highs from Al Jazeera. And this is a few days before the previous article from July 15th. So, okay. Um, right. So they have declared a, an emergency. Now, 
just this falls in line with the uh, global health emergency, uh, the war emergency, and now the uh, climate change emergency, as well as the energy crisis emergency. Okay, so that concludes that segment. Now we're on to the uh, earthling unrest segment. Uh, so first up is that new roadblocks go up in Panama as protesters reject a government deal. Demonstrators seek price cut in fuel prices to stop their protests on key highways. Protesters in Panama have erected new roadblocks, rejecting a deal signed with the government to clear the highways in exchange for a fuel price cut. On Sunday, the government and some protest leaders announced a deal to end more than two weeks of demonstrations over high fuel prices and rising living costs in the country of 4.4 million. After, on Monday, after union leaders consulted grassroots supporters on the deal, some groups decided to continue protesting. They said that we had warned the executives that we still have to consult the rank and file. And the agreement was signed under pressure with members having opted to continue the mobilization that had seen trucks and banner waving demonstrators paralyze the strategic Pan-American highway that connects Panama with the rest of Central America and is the main transport route for goods through the country. So interesting, um, as we've, yeah, we'll just continue on actually. Uh, so that was the first time we covered Panama. We've already looked at uh, Colombia, Ecuador. Uh, we did a whole segment on Sri Lanka. Uh, we haven't talked about Kazakhstan yet, um, but there are protests happening all over the world. And clearly, uh, the people all over the world are waking up, and it's actually getting attention on mainstream news. So continuing on here, we're going to uh, Sri Lanka, where the headline is Supreme Power of People. Sri Lanka marks 100 days of protests. The mainly youth-led movement over the island's worst-ever economic crisis completes 100 days, with people saying the struggle is not yet over. Right, right. Uh, so, th again, this is July 18th. During the period, the protesters forced a president and a prime minister, both brothers from the powerful but now unpopular Rajapaksa clan, to resign with President Gaut... Gotabaya Rajapaksa even fleeing the country last week to escape the uprising. It was the first time in Sri Lanka's history that a serving head of state had resigned. Okay, okay. So, um, to follow up with that article, here's July 20th. Today is that election of the unpopular Sri Lankan prime minister invites more turmoil. Sri Lankan lawmakers on Wednesday elected the unpopular prime minister as their new president, a choice that risked reigniting turmoil in the South Asian nation reeling from economic collapse and months of around-the-clock protests. So, with the choice invited more protest, while the choice invited more protests, lawmakers apparently wanted a safe pair of hands, a politician with deep experience who could lead Sri Lanka out of the crisis. <laughs> Wickremesinghe had spent 45 years in parliament and led recent talks seeking a bailout for the bankrupt island nation. Right. Um, well, it's interesting that it's the lawmakers that are electing the leader and not the citizens electing the leader. So the emphasis on this is the youth 
leading the protests as the article is reporting. And to be honest, I think it's a good sign. I, I think that it's it's uh, the collective mass consciousness is absolutely fed up. And speaking of which, uh, to round up this political unrest segment, we're going to Italy, where Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi offers resignation after coalition falls apart. So this is from July 14th. The Italian Prime Minister has tendered his resignation after populist coalition partner Five Star withdrew its support in a confidence vote. The former head of the European Central Bank has led a unity government since 2001. In a statement, he said the pact of trust that had sustained the unity government had gone. However, the president refused to accept his resignation. Okay, so on to the next, uh, the follow-up of this is from Politico from July 20th today. Mario Draghi signals he'll stay as Italy's pri uh, prime minister, but issues ultimatum. The governing parties need to rebuild pact anew for coalition to survive, he says. So he would be willing to stay on as prime minister because the Italian people were asking him to. But for that to happen, Draghi made clear that Italy's governing coalition parties must be willing to get in line. Interesting. Uh, so I do sincerely wonder if the citizens of Italy genuinely are asking him to stay. Based on the other earthling unrest in all these other countries, I just wonder. But so that concludes our little roundup of that of the uh, Earthling Unrest segment, because again, we're trying to keep it brief here for the, today's report. I'm doing the best that I can to keep it brief. It's not necessarily my strength, but I'm working on it. And to round up the uh, story, the reporting from today, we're looking at uh, outer space. And we've got four more stories to cover. So the European Space Agency cuts ties with Russia on Mars over rover mission. The European Space Agency terminated its cooperation with Russia to launch Europe's first planetary rover, the Roscosmos. Uh, the Russian Space Agency and the ESA were collaborating on a mission involving the European ExoMars rover. Uh, but now, the ESA Council has officially cut ties with Roscosmos on this joint project as a result of the war in Ukraine with ongoing sanctions. Okay, so just wanted to give you that clear, uh, that uh, little update. And uh, on to the big ones. So yes, we covered a lot of emergencies and um, unrest. However, the final three stories here are, this is really what the essence of, it feels like the Generation Z channel is actually all about, is uh, we're trying to incorporate um, the uh, big picture views of what is going on, which is why these this is the category we're ending on today. So first of these last three, this is from July 13th. A Canadian telescope detects longest radio signals of its kind from deep space. A signal consisting of fast bursts of radio waves in a clear pattern has been detected emanating from deep space, and astronomers believe it could be used to measure the expansion of the universe in the future. 
this radio heartbeat detected by a special radio telescope in British Columbia is described in a new paper published Wednesday in the journal Nature, which explains that this phenomenon is called a fast radio burst, or FRB. FRBs are sudden bursts of strong, consistent radio waves from space that have no clear source but are detectable across huge distances. So, very interesting. Um, and we're just going to keep this here. So, uh, this, th these little tidbits of what could be perceived as some form of communication some form of life somewhere out there in the form of, of radio waves. Okay, now this, uh, this one is a little bit more jarring, I will admit. Space Weather Woman, that is her title, warns about solar flare striking the Earth, and it may even disrupt GPS and electricity grids. This is from weather.com under their space science section. Uh, so they say that the sun is acting up again and the earth is all set to receive the second major solar flare eruption this month. As the solar cycle approaches the peak of its 11-year phase, the space weather has turned very dynamic with new reports of solar storms brewing on the sun's surface emerging almost every other day. So on Sunday, Dr. Uh, Tamitha Skov, fondly known as the space weather woman, tweeted this solar tweeted that the solar flare will hit planet Earth early on Tuesday, July 19th. A resulting geomagnetic, a geomagnetic storm of this magnitude may also lead to radio blackouts and disruption of GPS signals. Now here's where it's uh, very interesting. The long snake-like filament cartwheeled its way off the sun in a stunning ballet. The magnetic orientation of this Earth-directed solar solar storm is going to be tough to predict. G2 level, possibly a G3, condition may occur if the magnetic field of the storm is oriented southwards. These geomagnetic storms can cause voltage fluctuations and may even lead to damaged appliances and electrical wiring. Right, so did anything happen in your part of the world? Did you have any technological issues or communication issues? Could it have been caused from the solar flare? Could the solar flare be the next in line for the uh, climate emergency? Is the next emergency series that we're going to be seeing um, emergencies from space, perhaps? And on to our last story here today. And we're ending on a very positive note, in my opinion. It, it's speculation, but it honestly... It's it's helping me implode non-destructively when I I think about what this article here could uh, mean. So this is from July twelfth. The James Webb Telescope team quietly releases a picture of Jupiter on top of the first high-resolution science images that NASA's James Webb Telescope has just released. There is also a picture of Jupiter hidden in a document about telescope text about telescope testing. So if you are listening to this audio and not seeing the visual, please, when you have the chance, look up uh, images from the James Webb Telescope of Jupiter, because that is what we're looking at right now. And you can see that here is an image of Jupiter, according to the James Webb Telescope, 
and you can see Europa, but then very close to Jupiter on the image on our left, you have this black figure, this black figure right here. And they say that it is simply a shadow from Europa. So that's one explanation. Now, the other, another suggestion is actually from Michael Sala, who is at ExoPolitics. And he is suggesting that perhaps help has arrived, suggesting that this could actually be a mothership. Now, imagine the size of this ship. So, you know, that idea gives me a, a lot of uh, hope. However, I know that I, I'm not going to get high on hopium. I understand that this isn't this isn't one of those episodes, but just wanted to end this whole segment on that uh, speculation. And as especially as things ramp up so much from the uh, CERN activation, the Georgia Guidestones, all the political earthling unrest, maybe it is time that there that there is some formal. Uh, ET interaction, uh, ET intervention, we should say. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, this was uh, Riel reporting at Generations Ed's Kraken. And hope you enjoyed it. Let me know the comments down below if you want me to elaborate uh, on any more stories, if you want me to try to go quicker or focus on any stories. Um, yeah, please leave your comments below. Um, you can also find us at uh, Generation Z slash Patreon, where we are putting out a lot of content, uh, where we can talk behind the paywall without worrying about censorship. But hope everybody has a great day and see you all very, very soon. Thank you so much.